0: You mentioned Cooks, though. Do you think he needs to start having a bigger impact? And is there something that they should be looking at now to get him more involved in the offense? Over the shoulder. Oh, what a grab.
1: Brandon Cooks. Brady rifles to the corner. Oh, it's caught. Touchdown. Brandon Cooks. Incredible. Tom Brady delivers in the clutch. Hello everybody! Welcome to Titletown. Week 3? Correct. (laughs) Episode 4, week 3. Huh. Yeah. Tough one. Tricky. Tough one. (laughs) Welcome to the show, Melissa.
0: Hi Craig, how are you?
1: I'm great. How you doing? Good. A little hot?
0: Yeah, a little warm. (laughs) A little toasty, a little summer in September
1: we are coming to you off of a uh, week 3 Patriots victory at home against the Texans final score of
0: 36 33
1: 36 33 dramatic fashion the clip you just heard uh Tom Brady to Brandon Cooks for the game winning touchdown a little toe tap yeah
0: proving me right Brandon Cooks needs to be a big part of this offense if they're going to
1: succeed what you also heard was a little was a little foreshadowing so we call that in the biz <laughs> Not quite a prediction. I would. I don't know if I'd call it a prediction. You don't want to put yourself
0: totally out of you the line, right? You got to be able to pull it back, right? And be like, next week, it's you got yeah, to exactly. play both sides. You got to be able to play
1: both sides is important.
0: Always right. That's all that matters.
1: All right. Well, a couple of housekeeping items before we get into opening takes. Number one, uh, you are listening to the Titletown Sports Podcast. If you're into what you're hearing, hit us with a subscribe on the podcast app. Hit us up on Twitter.
0: Town cast at
1: Titletown cast. Say hello. DMs are open. By the way, get in there.
0: <laughs> I, I think it's going to be embarrassing when I tell you I don't, I don't know what any of that means. Oh my god! <laughs> A direct message? Yes. I feel like my mom talking. About
1: <laughs> I feel Twitter like your right mom now. talking yeah. about Twitter right now. <laughs> yeah. Duh. Jesus Christ. Mm. Anyways, hit us up on that thing and uh, send Melissa the the instruction manual. Uh, Is there a help
0: book? I need the support app for it.
1: Uh, So give us a follow on there. Give us a shout. Um, One other housekeeping item is that obviously the the major headline across the league this week was all things Trump, Kaepernick, kneeling, protesting, anthems, booing, things of that nature. Uh, We're going to keep this program strictly sports this episode that is to say uh and we're gonna have uh, a guest by the name of christopher price from boston sports journal joining us really soon um we're gonna keep this episode strictly on the field patriots talk uh we will however be posting an amendment if you will an amendment (laughs) if you will uh bonus episode to get clarky and i's thoughts on all things trump and kneeling and anthems and protests and all that sort of stuff so uh, if you're into that kind of thing, if you want to hear a couple of knuckleheads talk politics for uh, 20 minutes or so, then...
0: Listen at your own risk.
1: Just, I mean, it's unavoidable. Yeah. We would yeah. be remiss if we didn't uh, give our comments on it, but we're yeah. not going to we're not going subject you to it in our normal Town flow.
0: I suggest listen, but that's my opinion. Right. But we'll move on to the football from here. Uh, we'll kick it off with some opening takes. Yeah. Good win by the Patriots, eventually. Eventually. Not not a solid game i think overall would be fair to call it
1: i think that's fair as well
0: opening take for me i'm gonna kick off get in there uh, you know so we're in the fourth quarter houston drives down the field the defense finally decides to stop them holds them to a field goal
1: that was nice of them to do that we'll call
0: it a stop eh. ball's coming back to brady a little bit over two minutes left and uh, normally i'm like ah oh, brady clutch time this is his thing, like fourth quarter comebacks. This is what they're all about. This week, I don't, I wasn't feeling confident going into it. He'd spent a lot of time getting hit. That was He took a lot of hits in that game, more yeah, than we've spent seen in a a while. lot of time on his ass. It's hard to look at a game that they won and say, ah, they look like shit, but they kind of look like shit, and mm-hmm. I didn't feel great about Brady getting the ball back, you know, and I was like, here we go, three and out again, or maybe they drive a little bit and then, you know, turn it over. And it was tough. I think that was the first time in a long time for me that I haven't felt like, oh, this is it. It's money time. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. we're clutch. Brady, of course, is going to drive the ball down the field. Of course. And it's like, is he? Obviously, I was wrong. Like, he does it. He, great pass to Brandon Cooks. He looked great moving down the field. Uh, but that was really the only series that I felt like he looked super strong um, and confident kind of moving the ball.
1: He did fumble down. on that drive also. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. They, I mean, they picked it back up, yeah. but that's, uh, that's right. they won't Andrew spe- that. That's what Andrew spell. Yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Sure, we won't, we don't need to remember that. But he was sacked what, four times. Oh, yeah, he got croaked. One was a trip over leap, but still yeah, counts as a awesome. sack. They all it, count. Yeah.
1: I mean, it was, I think, to, to add on to that too, it was fortunate that they were even in the position to take that drive, I mean, like, thank you, Houston, for kicking that field goal. Yeah. If I were them, I would have freaking gone for it. They were running this over on right. third and one, fourth and one all all, all day. Yeah, put your foot the on fact the that they, The fact that they—hypocrite. I know. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that they booted it there, I mean, they just—I mean, I, if I were Bill O'Brien, I would have said, I, I, I don't want to give Tom Brady the ball back within two minutes. I mean, he obviously felt not so different than you're describing feeling, where he was like, I'll roll the uh, dice. Yeah. Trust he your de- he trusted
0: his defense clearly. He sure did. I
1: mean, he had reason to. I mean, they were they were nasty. Yeah, but-
0: the Patriots look good in the first quarter too. Like, I don't want to take away from what they did. They had a couple good opening drives. They held the Houston early in the game. That you know they held them. I think it was a three and out the first drive of the game. Yeah, to get the ball back and go down and score a touchdown. And That's a good start. And you thought like, oh, here come the Patriots of old. And then it's like that. I don't know middle 45 minutes of the game that they kind of just drifted yeah, I mean, off for I think, I'm I, not sure where they went
1: I think Deshaun Watson took everybody by surprise oh yeah including the the New England Patriots players and coaching staff in the fact that he and can fans. actually throw yeah like, I think yeah. part of their game plan was to like make him throw the ball which is kind of I mean I, I that's sort of what they've done in the past with those mobile quarterbacks where they'll kind of keep a linebacker just sort of hanging around and wait for him to break the pocket and they'll just keep him there to to spy basically and force him to throw and Deshaun Watson threw successfully (laughs) for a couple of touchdowns. A few
0: times. He looked like a strong quarterback and We had opposite thoughts about Deshaun Watson. You know, you said that it was kind of on purpose and I looked at it as like god they couldn't make a tackle meaning the
1: meaning the fact that he got a lot of time in the pocket he got
0: so much time and he was so mobile even before he was throwing the ball and it was like you'd see guys coming across the line and just chasing him i don't even have a good analogy for it which is shocking (laughs) (laughs) that's not good podcasting right there um but he was just free and like moving around and he he had time he could look downfield you could kind of Plot things out. Yeah. And you were just watching people. I felt like they were just chasing him.
1: I feel like that, I feel like part of that is by design though, is because they don't want to just, I, I, I don't think they wanted to flush him out of the pocket. I think they were daring him to throw because they know he's fast as hell. He can burn him on the ground where I think he's sort of, the the strategy there is keep him in the pocket and force him to throw. And you're basically gambling on the fact that he can't really consistently make throws down the field however, in this case yeah, he could Um, so wait, so you weren't confident going into it I mean, obviously, it worked out did you feel guilty? were you ashamed of your lack of confidence? you should have been
0: (laughs) Uh, ashamed is a strong word yeah, you're not capable
1: of feeling that feeling I recognize that, but some close approximation
0: what normal people (laughs) might call ashamed I don't think I have that range that depth of emotion, if you will yeah, that makes sense Uh, But yeah, I mean, I felt good about it. I felt a little, like, relief. Maybe that would be the way I would describe it. Good word. I felt relieved that they had done it because I didn't feel confident going into it.
1: Yeah, and I mean, losing... To the Texans would have been a really bad look. I mean, I don't think it's a great look getting into a nail-biter with the Texans like uh, that. Yeah. They had the worst—what was it? They had the worst passing offense through the first two weeks of the season. They had thrown for 104 yards or something like that. Yeah. Collectively, throughout for the first two weeks. the worst, the worst passing offense with a rookie quarterback, walks into Gillette Stadium on Sunday afternoon, After and they puts just, up that kind of right. performance and requires a final second drive from Brady. It's an, it seems like an unsustainable model. Right, like, and and it's very similar to the Super Bowl, right? Like, same idea. You kind of get waxed for three quarters, and then just rely on Brady to tire out the defense, make the throws when they matter, and you walk away with a win. And I just, I don't know. I mean, we've seen it time and time again. Like, it's sustainable to a certain extent, but like, that can't be the plan. Like, that can't be the no. That can't
0: be what's written on the whiteboard
1: before they head out. Like, here's
0: what we're gonna do, guys. Keep it
1: close, then Brady'll figure it out.
0: Yeah, (laughs) like it's cool. Just get to the two minute warning. And then whatever it is, Brady yeah, will take care of it. Yeah, just let the
1: chips fall where can, they may. That,
0: yeah, there's not enough electrolytes in the world for that to
1: no, be... No, 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 not nearly. ...the
0: strategy heading into it. <laughs> yeah,
1: My my opening take is is very similar in that, like, I don't think that the Pats defensively uh, have a sustainable defense right now. I, I, I think that Texans had the worst passing offense in the NFL coming into Sunday afternoon, and... The Patriots weren't really able to stop a rookie quarterback, a talented rookie quarterback, albeit, but a rookie quarterback with really one option as a receiver. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins is a great receiver, like all-star yeah. NFL receiver for sure, Pro Bowler, all that stuff. But I mean, you've got good corners, you've got Stephon Gilmore, you paid a truckload of money, you've got Malcolm Butler, you've got good safety, like you can, you can. You can manage a one-weapon offense, you would think. We would hope. That guy Griffin, the tight end, 84, Griffin, yeah. he looked like freaking, I don't know, like he looked like Gronk out there. He looked like a weapon. Was, I've never heard the guy's name before in my uh, life.
0: I should have put him on my
1: DraftKings. I, yeah, I was going to say, I back in, <laughs> the only thing I know about him was I passed on him in my fantasy draft.
0: Yeah, and he's probably cheap as hell. I too. didn't even regret it. Yeah. Uh, you know, you bring up Gilmore, and he was uh, someone that I noted in the game what, what were your thoughts on him on the defense
1: he's on my shit list for sure yeah why? I think so far in the season we it, it took it's taken a few weeks for a couple players to prove themselves mm-hmm. I was a little skeptical about Gronk after week one Yeah, he's clearly back it cooks took a while to sort of like I mean obviously cooks had a breakout game this game and yeah, sort of proved finally. himself as yeah, look a, great
0: Part of the team. Welcome. Aboard. I'm still
1: waiting on some of these defensive guys to do it, particularly Stefan Gilmore. I think Gilmore had a shitty game. Caught a couple dumb penalties. The pass interference call was stupid. I think the the what was it? Um, where he hit the guy when he was going out of bounds. I forget what the call there was. They called it for something.
0: Oh, a a personal foul. It was just that. But I yeah. think that was a bad call. I think it was a terrible I mean, call. But got also out of like, you got to make sure I that's a complete, To me, that's a complete play. Like you don't want to get burned on the guy. Twinkle-toeing down the line and coming back and, you know, cutting you off for a touchdown. Even still.
1: I also, the dehydration thing, Uh, jammed me up. I get like, you hate to like get on players for being injured, injured, that's air quotes for you folks, (laughs) but like there are two types of injuries, injuries, (laughs) that bother me throughout the course of a game and it's cramps and dehydration. Because that just tells me that, like, what, did you not, like, did nobody tell you that it was 90 degrees in Foxborough? Like, that just speaks, to to me, that speaks to, like, preparation and caring and all those sorts of things where it's, like, dehydrated, bro, really? You didn't think you'd get hot? You didn't think that you'd get a little hot out there? Yeah. So, I don't know. We'll see what happens there.
0: Yeah, we'll see. I thought Gilmore had a better game than you did. Those penalties were stupid. I hate when people have bad penalties like that, because to me, that is just, like, not paying attention. You got to do your job for 60 minutes in a week. Like yeah. I, I think you can handle it or should be able to handle it yeah, there. Drink some water. Get some yeah. electrolytes
1: in you. Right. It's only 15 bucks. Right. <laughs> He's got plenty of money. I'll give you a money. website.
0: I got a link for you. And you
1: Gilmore's got it. plenty of money. Yeah, Just ask can... Malcolm Butler. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Maybe he can buy him some, too. Yeah. Um. You know, he had a couple of good stops, though. I think he made some good plays on the ball.
1: He had the interception, which he, was nice. Yeah. It was right to him. I could have made that play. Okay. <laughs> Bet on it. <laughs>
0: I'll give you a Stephon Gilmore
1: contract if you could make that. If I caught that ball, like my three of my ribs would have just shattered.
0: (laughs) We would have had some new injuries on the field. (laughs) There would have been tears, probably blood. Yeah, a
1: lot of whimpering. (laughs) Anyways, yep. Christopher Price from Boston Sports Journal is going to join us here shortly. He's going to give us his takes on all things Week Three: Patriots defense, offense, Brandon Cooks, uh, the whole the whole gamut. Yeah. And uh, here he comes now. All right, so we are now joined by Christopher Price of Boston Sports Journal, here to give us his thoughts on that Patriots Week 3 win against the Texans. How's it going, Christopher?
2: Good, good. Ready to roll. Yes.
0: So one of the things we've actually talked about this a lot last week was Brandon Cooks. And if he needed to play a bigger part in the offense, and I would say that he fulfilled that this week. Um, How important is it that Brady and Cooks are, are clicking and starting to kind of get that bond? And can the Pats offense even afford to lose another pass catcher?
2: It's tremendously important right now for a few reasons, not the least of which is, you know, obviously, first of all, they don't have Julian Edelman. And so there's a void there. When it comes to you know from a a pure production standpoint, he's he's the kind of guy who can step in and and at least fulfill a a, a, you know a part of a you know part of the production that that was able to deliver. Obviously, he's a different kind of receiver; he's a little bit faster. He's a a little bit um, you know quicker when it comes to taking the top off the defense. So he's a a, he's got a little bit of a different skill set. But I think you know just from a pure numbers perspective, Brady needs someone to throw to, and you know as you mentioned. They're a little bit thin at, you know, the pass catcher position, specifically wide receiver, and they're going to need a guy like Cooks to be able to stay healthy. If they can get Cooks, Edelman, uh, you know, they get Malcolm Mitchell back and they get some production in the passing game from those running backs, I think they're going to be okay. Uh, you know, obviously you throw Gronk in the mix as well. Um, but, yeah, specific to Cooks, it's, it's very, very important that, that they continue to build that chemistry, build that connection. Cooks talked a little bit about it after the game, and they need to keep heading in the right direction if the Patriots ultimately want to get to where they want to be,
1: yeah, I, I just feel like every time there was a couple moments during that game where various Patriots receivers were a little slow to get up, and I just I, hold your breath every time Amendola, Hogan, even Cooks once or twice. Just like I don't know, it's just it's a, we're, I feel like we're walking on a tightrope here with the yeah, of these yeah, pass
2: it, 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 It's really true. It, it is you know when when you consider that you know it's it's not only Edelman but Hogan. Yeah, and you know, week to week, you know, you're you're seeing things like Dorsett get a little bit banged up. You know, Gronk had the groin injury; he left the the Saints game a little bit early. They're kind of figuring it out as they go along here. You know, and, and a part of that is just their approach in the early, you know, in the early part of the regular season. Anyway, this is something that they do. You know, they'll they'll mess with lineups a little, bit they'll do some tinkering with mm-hmm. personnel. They'll find out what works and what doesn't work. But, yeah, I mean, I, you know, obviously the bottom line here is, you know, throughout this process, you want to stay as completely healthy as possible. For sure. All right.
1: Well, so Tom Brady obviously had an amazing comeback of a game, something that we've seen – amazing comeback, not an amazing game, but an amazing comeback, something we've grown accustomed to seeing, obviously, as Patriots fans. Um, but he definitely spent a lot of time on his ass on Sunday. Do <laughs> uh, you think that's the byproduct of just a really strong Houston pass rush, J.J. Watt, Ron Merciless, Davian J- Clowney, or is that a weakness of the Patriots offensive line? And do you think that potentially that is the toughest uh, pass rush that the Patriots will have to face this season?
2: Well, I'm going to weasel out. I'm going to say it's a little bit of both. How about that? For you? Right. First of all, <laughs> I think that... I think that the Houston front seven, particularly their pass rush, is going to be one of the best uh, you know groups that they're going to see this year when it comes to getting after opposing quarterbacks. You know, like you said, Watt, merciless Clowney, they just keep coming for you. You know, McKinney. It's just it's it's wave after wave of you know these amazingly talented guys. You know, getting after the quarterback, and so I think you have to figure that in the mix. You know, at the same time too. The Patriots offensive line isn't completely healthy. They're not where they want to be. And, and frankly, they're a little bit thin at tackle right now. And, you know, we talked before about kind of figuring things out and figuring what works and what doesn't work. Um, yeah, I, I think it's a little bit of both. I, I really do. You know, when you, when you consider the absolute ferocity of the Houston pass rush, the fact that the Houston defense knows the Patriots pretty well, Mike Vrabel, defensive coordinator, it's, it's a, it's a difficult formula for the Patriots to try and overcome in, in that situation. So I, I do think. You know, you have to take that Houston pass rush into account. But I also think at the same time, like we said before, you know, the Patriots offensive line isn't where it needs to be. They need to start working on that or they need to figure that out, particularly the tackle position, um, you know, sooner rather than later.
0: If you if you flip it and look at our defensive line, you know, kind of comparing that to Houston, it was hard not to this week. Um, Watson seemed like he had a ton of time and he was able to scramble around a lot without necessarily getting hit. Do you think this was intentional? Craig and I disagree on that point. Um, and if it wasn't, what do they need to do to maybe correct some of that in the future?
2: Well, I think Watson is a very unique quarterback, and I think that's good for the Patriots because you're talking about a guy with a skill set, you know, a very escapable skill set. Let's just call it. You know, the, the gap discipline is absolutely paramount. And he's a tough guy to bring down. Talking to a couple of guys in the locker room after the game and asked them, you know, what it was like to chase around Deshaun Watson for three hours. And he said it was absolutely exhausting because he's a guy who is absolutely relentless. He never gives up. The play is never dead. You have to make sure that you have him down to the ground. You hear the whistle before you consider things to be completely over. So the good thing if you're the Patriots, you don't face many guys like that over the rest of the season. The bad news is you face one this coming week in Cam Newton, you know, so it's, it's, it it is it's going to be a challenge for them because they've they've struggled against those types of quarterbacks in the past. You know, guys who are able to make plays when things start to break down, find seams, break contain, and you know they're able to rip off those 8, 10, 12 yard runs. They have to do a better job of defending guys like that. Again, though, the, the, the good thing is if you're a Patriots fan. You don't have a whole lot of guys like that left on your schedule. Well,
0: I think the concern, though, is that so you play Watson this week, who's that kind of quarterback? You talk about Cam Newton, and then they're on a short week coming off of that. So, how tired? I mean, this is way in the future, but how tired is that defense going to look heading into that Thursday night game?
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's a Thursday night. It's a Thursday night game in Tampa too. So it's going to be. You know, it's going to be hot. It's going to be. It is. It, it and you raise a really good point because this is you know early in the year, you don't even think about that. You know, they're they're, they're being tested. From a conditioning standpoint, you know, with these, with these hot games, they were tested on Sunday against the, uh, against the Texans. They're, you know, by the sound of things, they're going to be tested this weekend against the Panthers. Then you're going to go down to Tampa, for goodness sakes, and you're going to have to play in that mess. So it's going to be a challenge for them, you know, to, to, you know, again, get to where they need to be from a conditioning standpoint, and they're going to be tested really early in the season.
1: So switching gears a little bit now. Um, last year, the Pats had a little bit of a midseason shakeup on defense with trading Jamie Collins in the middle of the season. They, of course, went on to win the Super Bowl. And, you know, taking a look at the defense this year that hasn't looked stellar through three weeks, um, do you think that that sort of shakeup is something that's needed, is something that's coming? How do you think this all factors into the Patriots' D this year?
2: I think the Butler situation, uh, the the... Let's call it the the awkwardness between Butler and the franchise. I, at least, you know, right now was a one off thing. When you look at the Saints game, he didn't start. Uh, you know, you're talking about a guy who played ninety plus snaps, ninety five percent plus snaps, you know, over the previous two years. Well, this past week he went wire to wire against the Texans. So I, I think any talk at least right now of trading him is premature. But look, you never deal in absolutes when you're talking about New England. This is a team that, you know, just when you think you have a handle on who they are and how they're going to go about approaching, you know, in this case, the second half of the season, they're going to throw you a curveball. So uh, put it this way, I wouldn't be surprised if they decided to make a move like that before the trading deadline, October 31st this year. But right now, I think the chances of them trading Malcolm Butler are significantly less than they were, say, a week or so ago.
0: Yeah, do you think that Eric Rowe injury or, you know, whatever's going on with him is kind of shoring up a spot for Malcolm Butler right now?
2: Yeah, I I, I think part of it might, you know, you could, I, I think part of it, you can make a real argument that, you know, that, that it was Eric Rowe's injury. And, you know, and they didn't want to be kind of caught short there. I, I don't know also if, if they're completely, you know, satisfied with Jonathan Jones at this point. I think Jonathan Jones played very, very well against the Saints. But I think he has a long way to go before you can consider him a play to play, you know, series to series starting cornerback in the National Football League. I also think that Stefan Gilmore probably isn't, you know, completely acclimated to the New England system quite yet. So there's a lot of things at play there when you're talking about the cornerback position in New England. I think Malcolm Butler reestablished himself this past week against the Texans as the number two corner on this team.
1: How'd you feel about, while we're while we're talking corners, how'd you feel about Gilmore's performance specifically last week? Yeah,
2: you know, I, yeah. I, I thought it was okay. Yeah. That's, I, that's, what that's basically said. the yeah. vibe yeah.
1: that we're bringing to the table as well. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's kind of kind of what what's the Simpsons like, meh, kind of MEH, right? Eh, you know, you, you feel like, no, good. I, You know, he gets points for the interception, but I thought the interception was a great example of, of good complementary team defense. Dietrich Weiss was able to get good pressure on Watson, forced him into making a bad throw, and Gilmore was just in the right place at the right time. He needs to start displaying a greater sense of urgency, and and I don't know if that comes with more reps alongside these guys or if it's, you know, something else. But I I think that he needs to continue to raise his play going forward. And I'm not saying that he's in danger of being cut or traded or anything like that, but you know, the investment that the franchise made in him, you want to be able to see him to, you know, compete consistently on a week to week basis. Like one of the best cornerbacks the league. The important thing to remember is look, Revis wasn't Revis for the first four weeks of the season here in New England back in 2014 either. I'm not comparing the two, but there is some acclimation that goes on when you're talking about a cornerback getting up to speed, a new cornerback getting up to speed in the New England defensive system. Maybe the only comparable position that I can think of is offensive line where you have to learn how to play next to a guy. You have to learn how to be a complementary piece of the puzzle. The same is true in the secondary. When you're talking about cornerbacks working with safeties, Safety's working with corners, zone coverage, man coverage. Who's got who? You know, whatever the case may be. So I, I do. I, th- I think it's a process. And look, basically, let's circle back around and have this conversation about Gilmore. You know, around about Halloween. And if he's still struggling, then it's it's going to be you know a real red flag here. Uh, you know, when you're talking about you know the the defensive ceiling for this team. But I think right now, I think he's still going through a bit of a you know getting to know you process with the rest of the secondary.
1: All right, we've been talking to Christopher Price from bostonsportsjournal.com. Uh, final question for you, Chris, is just give us your uh, week four predictions. Carolina at home,
2: what do you think? I think New England ends up winning this thing. I think it's going to be another, you know, a bit of a struggle, but at the same time, the Patriots have more talent on both sides of the ball if, you know, if, if you're getting a, you know, the, the same level of performance out of Rob Gronkowski and Brandon Cooks and you know uh, on the defensive side of the ball. If you do get Dante Hightower back, you know, you, you mix him in with some of those young guys who have been very impressed with Dietrich Wise and Adam Butler. I think New England ends up winning this thing. I'm not, you know, it's not going to be more than, you know, seven or ten points, but I think the Patriots come out on top this week at July.
1: All right. Well, that's all we've got for you, Chris. Thank you so much for joining us. Again, this has been uh, Christopher Price from Boston Sports Journal. I uh, appreciate you coming on, man. Let's do it again sometime soon.
2: No worries. ticker guys.
1: All right, so now that we have Christopher's prediction on the board, uh, he's calling for a close game, but ultimately a Patriots victory in week four against the Carolina Panthers in Gillette on Sunday. What's your prediction, Clacky?
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, it's hard to imagine them not winning. Of course, I would. I said that going into week one, week two, week three. Um, <laughs> so I'm just going to ride it. Pat's friends, you know? Yeah, you know, just going <laughs> to keep it on the
1: line, push the bet. I'm going the other way on it. I think Pat's are going to roll. Oh, yeah? So yeah, I mean I I think the Patriots are gonna win big. I, I just I feel this like week in, week out back and forth thing, like not so great week one, they look correct yeah. week two, not so great week three, although they win. I think they're gonna like bring it back week four and like slam the door. I I don't think that I don't Carolina's all that good. I mean well, uh, Cam Newton can obviously beat you in a couple different right. ways, but I think it's gonna be I think it's gonna be a beatdown. Um so we'll see. I mean uh, this is, this cla- this is like, this is like again, I feel like I point this out every week, this is why people hate Patriots fans, where our big dissent is you're predicting a <laughs> close victory, I'm predicting a wide margin of victory, and yeah. it's like, ooh, but how who's going to have gonna egg on their, their face? By, yeah. Tune in next week. <laughs> <laughs> Who will eat crow? Will they win by a lot, or will they win by a little?
0: Yep. <laughs> well, we'll see what happens. Uh, hopefully we have a good game coming up on Sunday, and y'all have a great week. Yeah. Um, Thank you again so much to Christopher Price from Boston Sports Journal for joining us and sharing his thoughts on all things Patriots.
1: Great stuff on Boston Sports Journal, by the way. I'm a subscriber and a fan. It's a it's a great site. Yeah. New site. Get into it.
0: Yeah. Um, if you guys liked what you heard today, please feel free to send us a message at Titletowncast on Twitter. On Twitter. Or give us a follow. You can also rate us on iTunes. Hashtag five stars only. Five stars, kid. We, too, do not necessarily know how to use the new podcast app
1: on iTunes. But
0: uh, good opportunity to figure it out. And give us a good <laughs> Get rating in there, kids. and comment. So...
1: And lastly, if you want to hear Melissa and I weigh in on all things uh, Trump anthems, kneeling protests, First Amendments, all those things, we did post or we will post, depending on when you're listening to this, uh, a bonus episode that features exclusively that topic discussed by uh, by Melissa and I. So if you're into that sort of thing, get into it. We'll be happy to have you there as well.
0: And if you have a good name for the controversy, yeah, start the hashtag. Yeah. Anthem Gate,
1: Neil Gate. Neil Gate sounds like a guy. I'm sure it is a guy. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Neil Gate. <laughs> He's like having a tough just go. Just
0: embroiled in controversy all of a sudden <laughs> for no reason.
1: Cursing his parents out.
0: It? Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, anyways, that's all, right. all we got for you, folks. See you next week. Bye.